guys, it's Jen, and I am so excited to be back with you for season two at Java with Jen. Y'all, I have been so impatiently waiting to get back to you. Now, don't get me wrong, my husband and I, for those of you who don't know, spent the last 10 months on a ministry sabbatical, which means we put down everything that was ministry related, even my podcast, and that was just to tend to our family and have some just more focused time with our kids and our family. And it was such a blessing, but not going to lie. I missed y'all so much. And I have been working on these upcoming episodes for months. I think we can all relate to though, that feeling of like, I miss you come close so I can hug you and talk to you again with everything that our last two months have looked like with COVID-19 and social distancing. So on that topic, I realized all of us are in the same boat, all of us moms with school-age kids, in that we all suddenly overnight became homeschooling moms, many of us without any practice or any tools for this. So I had been grasping at straws and pulling from my friends who've been homeschooling for a long time and realized I want to share their wisdom with you because it was such a blessing to me. So I decided to have to have my spoiler alert, she's pretty hilarious on the show today so that we could share all of her wisdoms with you. Now, I know at this point in the year, you may be done for the semester. However, this episode has tons of time management tips, and I know some of you may be like, hey, I might want to keep um, homeschooling through the summer because it was actually pretty pretty effective, and or maybe I would like to be homeschooling in the fall because I liked it more than I thought. So wherever you fall on the spectrum, I think you'll get a lot out of this. So do this real quick. Share this episode with a girlfriend so y'all can chat about it later and talk about the tips you walked away with. And hopefully it'll just really even help you even more after that. And if you would share it on social media and make sure you're following me on Instagram at Java with Jen, because I want to hear from you. So with all of that, I'm not going to take any more time. Let's jump into this topic. Here is my friend, Jen Gifford. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Thank you, Jen, so much for taking the time on your busy evening with your kiddos to come talk with me about homeschooling. I know that my listeners may come from all sorts of backgrounds as far as their relationship to homeschooling, but all of us have been in the same boat for at least the last two months um, being thrown into homeschooling unexpectedly. And so I thought it'd be perfect to talk about this, to pull on your wisdom since you've been a homeschooling mom for how long now? 10 years. (laughs) Wow. I did that too with my first one. I started at three and a half. And um, yeah, yeah, that's how I realized this was not going to be a good fit. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, but thank you for coming on the on the show with me. I'm so excited to have you. Well, it is a super huge honor. I love listening to your podcast. I've Aww. learned so many things from you as a person and from listening to your podcast. And it's, so it's a great joy. So do I need to pay you after the show for that plug right there? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I pulled together a list of common questions that people tend to ask. And now that I've been a homeschooling mom for two months. Um, Some of these questions make perfect sense. And you mentioned that you hear a lot of these. So I think these may be things that a lot of my listeners have asked themselves. But before we jump into that, um, 
I realized that at this time, at the time that this episode airs, um, a lot of moms will be winding down because things are starting to open back up <clears throat> and the school year is basically at the end anyhow. Um, but we also don't know what the fall is going to bring. We don't know yet how the national leadership is going to respond to Corona if there's a second wave of it or whatever. So there is still a possibility we could all be homeschooling in the fall. So yeah. with all of that, I think one of the biggest things I have felt is the time demand of being a homeschooling mom now. Um, I'm really thankful the Lord kind of prepared my heart. Like I had been thinking about homeschooling all school year for no good reason. We go to a great school. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thought came up a lot and I thought, hmm, like it actually birthed some interest in my heart. And I think that was just the Lord <clears throat> preparing my heart for this situation so that I did not have a total meltdown. So you're an ambitious woman. You're a creative woman. You have four children. Um, and you're involved in stuff at church and everything. How do you manage the time with educating all your babies and doing all the other things? Well, you know, I, I feel like that's such a great question because, you know, all of us, I feel like, especially as women and men, I know experience it too, but all of us wear so many hats and as as mamas, we are, and women in general, we're always managing multi things at, at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so with homeschooling, it's really about prioritizing. And and I know that you know this, and and so many women, um, we can get pulled in so many different directions and have so many ambitions and so many things that we want to do or that we've been asked to do or that, you know, work requires us to do. And so mm -hmm. it's really all about prioritizing. And when it comes to homeschooling and educating our kids, knowing that that is number one, whether you've chosen to do it or you've been thrown into it because of coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when we place a proper priority, I feel like it takes a lot of the pressure off. True. So when I'm with my kids, I understand that I'm with my kids. And that is um, number one in that moment. And, mm -hmm. and I give myself the amount of time that I need to complete my tasks with the kids. And then when the time is over, I don't keep going with it and exhaust myself and the kids. I realize, okay, our time is up for this subject or for the day. Mm -hmm. And now I can move on to other things. And yeah. so I feel like, you know, that's really been important for us is kind of setting a time frame, making sure that priorities are in place mm -hmm. and anything else we have going on, um, especially if it's, you know, an, a non-necessity or it's just like a want or a desire that we fit those things in around making sure the kids are schooled. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So what does that look like when, <clears throat> when you have some things that are competing for your time because they all seem important, like you just moved, so there was moving, you know, or say there's, say it's a holiday, you know, or just something that there's maybe urgency puts it higher on the priority list. Um, what does that look like? Does your house end up kind of taking the back seat or <laughs> how does yeah. that look practically? Yeah. You know, I feel like it's all about, that's, that's great. I, th I think it's all about being flexible. Mm -hmm. You know, we did just move. And so in the midst of moving, 
I knew that to try to homeschool the kids and, and try to stay on a normal schedule was out of the question. So we gave ourselves the freedom to say, you know what, for this amount of time, we are not doing school. And then we're going to go ahead and school through some parts of the summer that we would normally have off. Mm. And, and I know that, you know, some women do not have that freedom right now because, you know, they're, they're still, um, having to, to teach the kids, you know, and they're, they're given stuff from the public schools or, um, you know, the Christian schools or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel like as as homeschoolers, we do have a certain amount of freedom. Yeah. So if there is something pressing that I need to get done and, and it's a right now thing, that's the wonderful thing about homeschooling is I can rearrange my day. And, yeah. um, you know, it's a beautiful freedom. And it's one of my favorite things about homeschooling is that you know, even we've we've seen oh in the fall where when the weather is beautiful here mm-hmm. in Texas, it's not always beautiful in the summertime. Sometimes it's so hot that there's no way I want to go outside. Yeah. Um. So so we're like, well, we'll we'll do some extra school in the summer, and then in the fall when there's beautiful days, we have the freedom to say, you know what, today's gorgeous, so let's take the day off, and that might oh, not. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. So. And and that's not entirely answering your question as far as a pressing priority, <laughs> but, but it speaks to that in that we do have freedom and we have flexibility. And I think it's all about being yeah. flexible and knowing, um, you know, yes, educating the kids is important, but if I need to do something else, I also have the freedom to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I love what you said about um, being fully present in the time and giving yourself kind of those windows of time. I was actually thinking about that today because I, like probably every woman listening, have felt the pressure of having to do all the things still with this added task of homeschooling. And I'm like, I'm learning a bunch of different new things because of just different business ventures. I'm still working my part-time job as a social media manager. And now I'm homeschooling all of my kids, you know, and I'm trying to get podcasts all recorded and all ready to go, you know, and, and trying to plan how to advertise my husband's book, market my husband's book. And so I have all these things I'm learning and planning and doing all at the same time. But I keep thinking about when I was in high school. And I literally was learning eight subjects at once. I worked a job. I was involved at church and I had a healthy home life and I didn't feel constantly stressed out. And I realized, I think that's because my whole world was segmented by blocks of time that were heavily honored. Like, the bell told me I better be in my seat. The bell told me when class was over, you know, and then yes. my clock in required when I had to be at work and my clock out required when I leave work, you know, and then the things that were more fluid, I prioritized in my own time. But it's like everything had the time where it fit, where it belonged. And that enabled me to actually do a lot. And so I know now, granted, I was in high school. I didn't have kids and kids. <laughs> Kids yeah. don't always follow clocks. <laughs> no, let's be real, right? Yeah, um, yeah, for real. But they can be guided, and and a schedule I know is good for their little minds and hearts as well. And so I feel like I feel like what you hit on about having that isolated or that protected time, focused time, 
is actually way huger than we realize because multitasking really reduces our productivity and, but focus time, protected time really maximize. You can do more in one hour focus time than you can in four hours of multitasking, you know? Absolutely. And that, that's interesting that you say that because, you know, many moms will find that the packets that they're getting from the homeschool and and what they would normally, a child would be learning in an eight-hour block of time, mm-hmm. they'll actually learn at home in a couple of hours. Yeah. And it's exactly the reason that you said, because we are not dealing with a classroom full of 20 children. Our yeah. classrooms, I know both of our classrooms have four children in them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so maybe a little bit bigger than some families, maybe smaller yeah. than other families. Yeah. But the reality is, is because we can give more focused one-on-one attention, that is more, we're getting more done in a shorter amount of time mm. than when kids are in a, in school, in the classroom, in a traditional setting. And there's a lot of students there because yeah. it, there's not as much of that intense focus when there's more kids it's because true. the focus is divided. And so exactly what you said I've noticed majorly in our journey that when I'm distracted, the kids are distracted. When Mm. I can't really give them my attention because my mind is on, oh, I need to do this, 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 and this, um, then we're not as successful in our school day. And Mm. so it's really important if you find yourself sitting at the school table or wherever you are educating your kids and your mind is on a million different things, have your planner there, have a notebook there, write those things down that are that are nagging your mind, that are persistently bothering you, write mm. them down so that you can, you can feel the ease of, okay, I'm not going to forget that. Yeah. I'm going to take care of that in its time so I can That's focus good. right now on this. And it gets it out of your brain. <laughs> Exactly. Out of your brain onto the paper. Just don't lose the paper that you write it on. Yeah, don't lose the paper. (laughs) That's so good. I really love that. So there's your first two life hacks, friends, is be focused. I actually did decide, okay, be focused and write it down when it's on your mind. I The other day, I actually couldn't sleep. I was up in the middle of the night, could not sleep, come upstairs, and felt like the Lord, like, was speaking to me about the importance of prioritizing my day and prioritizing my time. And um, because I I don't like feeling distracted when I'm with my kids because they really deserve my full attention, you know? Like that's how someone knows they're important to you is you give them your undivided attention, you know? So I felt like the Lord was showing me like, hey, homeschooling can easily happen between 9 and 12. It doesn't have to go past 12. Like it can easily be done by then. And then I can work from 1230 till 4. You know, a little gap for lunch. Twelve thirty to four is when I can work and do my podcast and do my styling. Because even just an hour a day on each of those different things, um, I'm going to get a lot done. And doing it every day, I'll get it all done. And then by four, I can give my attention back to my family, plan dinner, clean the house, do the things, play a card game. You know, and um, and so I think for me that was kind of something that. I was able to point to and be like, okay, and eight o'clock in the morning before nine, eight to nine would be my quiet time, you know? So, um, okay. So I should have probably asked this question before I jumped in, but, uh, real briefly, what was it that made you guys decide to homeschool as opposed to putting your kids in school? You know, that's such a good question. And, and I think a lot of people assume that homeschoolers homeschool 
And a lot of people have asked us, you know, mm. do you homeschool because you think the public school system is terrible? Um, that's not actually why probably most people don't homeschool because they think that the public school system is broken or terrible. Or, I mean, I myself personally, and I think so many people have been ex- in, incredibly inspired by educators that go to work every day. And, mm-hmm. and give and dedicate so much of their time, so much more than what they're paid for to educate children in the public school system. Yeah. Um, but for us, it was really something that we felt like the Lord was calling us to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important. It's always yeah. important that we follow the Lord in our lives and follow yeah. His direction. Yeah. Um, and we always felt that calling to homeschool our kids. And it was yeah. always a desire. And um, just to be able to have that time, to be able to share that time with the kids, to be able yeah. to be there all the time and and educate them just felt like something that we really wanted and were really right. interested in. And, and even for the kids to have the freedom to be able to learn about what they were interested in learning mm-hmm. and having that opportunity and that freedom, which even, um, even in more... In smaller private schools, kids are not always going to have the opportunity to just say, hey, I want to learn about this. This interests me. Right. And so, you know, that that seemed like something that really we were attracted to. Um, But first and foremost, we just felt like it was what God called us to do. And so, you know, even though at times in our life it's been a great sacrifice, we've always seen God provide for us in miraculous mm-hmm. ways because mm-hmm. He called us to do it. And I think it's so important that in our lives that we do things that we know that God is calling us to do and we're mm-hmm. obedient. And then yeah. God meets us there and provides what we need. And um, and so, you know, maybe there's parents that have had a taste of homeschooling and feel that calling now, but mm-hmm. there's fear and anxiety in the back of our minds, like, well, what if I don't have the money to buy the curriculum? Or what if I have to give up my job? I will say to you that if God is calling you to do something, He will meet you there and He will provide everything that you need to do what He's calling you to do. Yeah. I totally agree. I love that. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to agree and contrast with agreement, (laughs) if that makes sense, (laughs) with what happened for us. So like, like you, when I, when my kids were little, it was kind of a trend. The homeschooling trend was really becoming big. And it seemed like these certain families that I was around um, kind of equated homeschooling with godliness. And so, yeah. I, you know, I felt some pressure, you know, to be a homeschooling mom. So we tried, you know, and of course I'm creative and I like getting my hands in things. So uh, we actually really did have fun the year and a half or two years that we homeschooled um, Judah and Levi. But I realized, I mean, it was, we focused on the fun aspect. We celebrated every holiday for like the whole week <laughs> and we had a whole lot of parties and, um, you know, learned the alphabet in there too. And so, but I remember like when I realized how hard it was for me to function well with my son and be patient and have the grace needed to teach him well and not scar him for his education, I was like, Lord, I'm I'm willing to grow my character. I realize this is a character issue. Like <laughs> I can be yeah. more patient. But I was like, but Lord, if I'm not relinquishing my responsibility as a parent, 
by by wanting to put him in school. If it would be okay to put him in school, can you just make a way for that to happen? And that's all I prayed about it. And then my husband came to me literally like two days later and said, hey, Jen, I think that we should put our kids in the Christian school over here near us. And I was like, uh, you do realize that costs a lot of money and we don't have any money. So <laughs> there's that, you know, but sure enough, the boys have only been in Christian schools and schools that we could not afford at all at any point, really. And the Lord has always provided for us to be at the schools we've been at. And, um, and so for us, it was not homeschooling, but it was still the way the Lord decided to do it for us, and yeah. He still provided. So it's like the same principles you just pointed out, yeah. but it looked different for our family. And so I share that to encourage anyone who's listening who maybe has felt like homeschooling equals godliness, you know, because I just reiterate what Jen said, you know, like this is, I mean, this is about being obedient to the Lord for your family and trusting Him for the provision. So... Um, absolutely absolutely that. that that's that's great that you say that too because every family is different and mm-hmm. god is you know the reality is is that god does not call all of us to be pastors or um mm-hmm. he doesn't give us all the same giftings he he mm-hmm. he is asking all of us to pastor but he's not calling all of us to be pastors or to right. be full-time evangelists or there are different capacities where God might speak to individuals very differently, and yeah. it still equals godliness. They're yeah. single moms. There are widowed parents that have children that there it would be impossible for them mm. to homeschool, right? You know, and, unless God miraculously made a way for it to happen. Right. And so the reality is, is that you know what you said. All of all of us are very different, and God calls us to do godly things in different ways. And and so, man, that's so freeing. It's so freeing. I love that. Okay. So um, one question that I think I know people have asked me when they found out I was homeschooled as a child, um, and you've probably heard is, does homeschooling make kids sheltered or socially awkward? What would be your response to that? (laughs) (laughs) My response to that would be like, I'm socially awkward and I went to public school. So, <laughs> so, so okay, what you call socially awkward, I call hilarious. So, you know, to each of them. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. I think all of us are a little bit socially awkward. So I don't think true that homes <laughs> I don't think that homeschooling produces that. However, it's a genuine concern that homeschooling kids don't get the same opportunity that other kids get being in a traditional school setting. So that is an advantage that kids have in a traditional school setting is that they're with their peers all day long and they Mm -hmm. learn how to interact with a lot of people their age and and their teachers and administrators. So it's definitely an, an advantage and it can be a challenge for kids that are homeschooled to have the same, they don't have the same social experience as mm. traditionally schooled kids, but it's not necessarily a lesser experience. Mm-hmm. Kids who are homeschooled have different a different set of social skills. Mm. Um, they might be more adept at interacting with adults um, because True. they interact more with adults. They mm-hmm. might have more meaningful one-on-one conversations because they have more of them throughout the day. Yeah. And so I think that it doesn't necessarily make kids socially awkward. It may 
give them more challenges with interacting with kids their own age. Mm-hmm. I think that it just it is just different. Right. And as as far as being sheltered, you know what I've always said is that it's my job to shelter my kids. God shelters <laughs> right. us, you know. Yeah. And I think that every parent regardless of what type of schooling that they are receiving, they want to shelter their kids to a certain degree. There are things that we want to protect our kids from, and it's our job as parents to protect them. So I will never apologize for sheltering my kids from certain things. And I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to keep them from being exposed to things that at a very young age, they shouldn't have to process. And, And I'm thankful that they don't have to process. Yeah. And, and I understand that, you know, some kids might have to process certain things earlier, um, but I'm I'm glad that are still, and I'm glad yeah. that there's certain conversations that we can save for much later <laughs> date. That's yes, right. Well, because they're even, homeschooled. Yes. And even nowadays, like the sheltered thing, I think is a more forefront concern with the vastness of school shootings and school crimes, you know, like. That's becoming a a much more prevalent concern for parents when they consider a school is, is my child, do they have security at the front door? Is there automatic magnetic locks on these doors? Can, does anyone on the staff have a gun to protect my child? You know, like people think those things. And so that is one upside of the homeschooling is you don't even have to worry about that. Um, I would imagine with the socialization the there's a lot of co-ops I hear that happen, and I think that would probably help as well as any church or community involvement or even community sports. What would yes. you say to that? Absolutely. I mean, we've done co-ops. We go to church. So our kids are, so, they do socially interact. They're not completely yeah. isolated from other people. Right. Um, as a matter of fact, I've even, I have one he, my my boy, and he he'll kind of stay to himself and kind of be a little bit more introverted. So I give him challenges. We'll go to the grocery store, and I will tell him, "Hey, I want you to greet the grocery clerk." We're not we're not uh, we're practicing social distancing, by the way, <laughs> right? But I'll give him challenges like, "I want you to interact with this person," or mm-hmm. "I would like you to approach this person," or That's good. and. And to give them opportunities to get outside of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and get outside of their own, you know, social awkwardness. Because I really believe that all of us are a little bit socially awkward if if we think about it, you know. Right. There, yeah, there totally. are certain social situations that none of us want to be in. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I totally think, agree. I think it's different for all of us. You know, right. there's some there's some things that we're just not comfortable doing. So yeah, they don't have to be socially awkward. You know, it it really, it really can happen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. It totally all can. Are here. <laughs> How do you find the patience that teaching requires? I think all of us moms that are suddenly homeschool moms realize how we had not had this muscle built up as much as homeschooling requires. <laughs> and so how do you find the, t- the patience not just dealing with children who can sometimes act foolishly, but children who maybe struggle to focus or or your own patients explaining something as an as now a teacher. How do you find the patients and how do you keep your cool? Yeah, um, that's such a good question because I think that, you know, it can be really challenging when you're trying to teach something that you already know to somebody else who doesn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> 
regardless. Yeah. Um, because we have this perceptor that if we know it, then they should know it. Right. And if our adult mind can process it, their child mind should process it. It's not <laughs> necessarily how it works. <laughs> right. Um, but what I've found, and and here's one of my greatest tips that I could tell anybody that is homeschooling for any reason, mm-hmm. is that, you know, when I find myself getting frustrated, a lot of times it's because I, I'm i starting to feel pressure. Okay, mm-hmm. you need to learn this. It's in your lesson. Other kids your age know this. You need to know it. So I start to feel pressure. And then I start to pressure the child. And then mm-hmm. they start to feel the frustration of it. Mm-hmm. And and one of the greatest things that we've learned to do is that when we start to feel frustrated or we start to feel pressure and and because the child is not learning something as quickly as maybe they should, or maybe you've explained it 52,000 times different ways. You used <laughs> graphs. You used a, a, you drew it on the marker board. You, you used did a demonstration. You did a play, <laughs> like, and you were all the characters. I mean... <laughs> We have lived this life yes. where it's like, I have done everything. I uh-huh. looked up YouTube videos and it was like so frustrating. They're not learning this. Yeah. And so I, I think one of the greatest tools and weapons that we have attained through the years is that if they are not understanding it, we move on to the next subject. Yes. Because sometimes our minds just cannot process something. Right. And even as adults, Somebody says something to you like five dozen times, and you're still like, "What? Like, what did you just say? What did you just say to me?" Yeah. And so, <laughs> right now, I'm teaching my son algebra, and oh. sometimes he looks at me like, and sometimes I have to relearn it on YouTube, and I'm looking at YouTube like, "What did you just say?" Right. And so we're like, you know what? Let's do reading now. It's time for reading. Mm. When we when we start to, I think it's really important. That when we start to feel frustrated and flustered, mm-hmm. our brain is not at that locks point. Down. Yeah, it really does. We shut down and we're really not able to learn because we get flustered. Yeah. We get emotional. And I've noticed that kids, when they feel like they can't get something, they get kind of emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's just at that point, there's no hope. It's yeah. no- <laughs> and I say that, I say that in that there's a lot of hope. But it's it's a hopeless moment for learning whatever it yeah. is that you're trying to learn. <laughs> so it's time to just set it down and go on to the next thing and come back later when we can look at it with a fresh perspective. Because a mm-hmm. lot of times what I find is that not only does do my kids need fresh perspective and do they need a break, but I also need a break because yeah. I'm not getting through to them. They're not understanding it. And so it just becomes fruitless at that point and we just get frustrated with each other. So Absolutely. You know, as far as finding patience, I think in that those are the some of the greatest things we can do. When we start to feel frustrated, it's like the Holy Spirit alert system. Right. When we start to feel aggravated, when we start to feel the the frustration of it all, we have to understand that whatever we're doing in that moment isn't working. And yeah. and so we move on to the next thing. Um and or we go outside. We take breaks. We take a recess. Um, I think I think patience is something that is it's grown, and it's also understanding when we just need to kind of let go 
and give grace to our children, but also give grace Mm. to ourselves. Yeah, I agree. And did you know everything that you're saying is actually totally supported by science? Um, You probably already know this, but I've been studying neuroscience since the last year or so. And that when, when you don't understand a thing, like when something is difficult to understand, you actually... Um, when you sleep, the things that you learn during the day sink into a deeper layer of your consciousness. And so the things that maybe you can't understand or you're just not sure and you need to process, that's why people say, I need to sleep on it. Because when you sleep on something, it actually sinks deeper into your understanding. And so then sometimes in the morning, you'll be like, oh, I get it. I totally get it now. Um, I think, P.S., I think that's also why the Lord says don't go to sleep on your anger (laughs) because that will sink deeper into your soul as well. (laughs) Um, But not only that, but actually that children, my uh, friend who's a family therapist told me this. She said that um, it takes 200 repetitions to learn something, but but if you are having fun when you do it, it only takes 20 repetitions. Wow. And so... If fun and joy and connectedness opens our mind up to receive understanding better, then yeah, when we get emotional and stressed out, it clamps down and closes off all those circuits that would enable us to learn that new thing. And so... Many of you have been so sweetly asking how you can help promote and support the podcast. And so I've thought about it and there are a couple ways that are super easy and super efficient. Firstly... Sharing any posts that I make about an episode, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes is huge. This is so simple and yet it really helps get the word out to more people and it actually helps me come up higher in iTunes search results so then people are able to find the podcast more easily. Secondly, you can financially support monthly through the Anchor app, which is where I'm hosted, or on Patreon. Just go to the Anchor app and hit support Or you can give through Patreon as a monthly member. Just visit patreon.com slash javawithjen. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash javawithjen. And sign up to be a monthly member at whichever amount that you prefer. Your donations help me to invest into new equipment, helps me send thank you gifts to interviewees, because I love to do that, and affords me the ability to continue to put my time back into my podcast so I can keep giving back to you. Now, some of you have already been doing this, and I am so grateful. Thank you so much, because when y'all do this, it encourages me so very much. So that again was share, rate, review on social media and iTunes, or give financially through Anchor, or Patreon. Okay, with all that said, thanks for listening and let's get back to the show. There are moms who may be wanting to continue homeschooling after they've had this experience. Maybe they're like, you know, this wasn't as bad as I thought, or I really love not working and connecting with my kids, or hey, honey, can I quit my job? I'd like to homeschool. So for any of those moms who are kind of new at it, as we all are, but are wanting to continue, how would you recommend picking curriculum and what's your preferred? Now, I know that's a really big question. So if you can somehow simplify that, if that's possible. Yeah. Um, You know, when it comes to curriculums, there's so many good curriculums available. What I would highly recommend 
is go to a local homeschool store where you can touch the curriculums. Mm. You can, I know we have one in Houston. Um, I wish I had the name of it written down so that I could tell you. Um, but most, most states will have even conventions where you can go and they'll have tables. We have mm-hmm. one actually at the Lighthouse um, Homeschool here, right here in Mid-County. Oh, okay. um, and there's a bookstore. You can actually walk through. You can look at the different curriculums. You can flip through the pages and you can kind of get a feel for what the curriculum is like. I feel like it's so important. You can read about curriculums mm-hmm. online and there's so many that it can almost become confusing. Mm-hmm. But if you can actually look at them in person, it makes a, a world of difference. But the other thing, another thing I would say is talk to other local homeschool moms. There's a million yeah. homeschool groups online yeah. and you can say, hey, my kid kind of learns this way. They're a visual learner or uh, hey, I've, you know, my child is struggling with this. What would be a good curriculum? And you have this great community of moms that can say, well, my kids struggled like that too. And this curriculum really worked for us. Mm. And so reaching out to other moms, even so like, a lot like of other Facebook moms, groups? exactly. Facebook okay. groups. There's a, um, we have a Southeast Texas homeschool help group here in mm-hmm. Southeast Texas, um, but I feel like every area probably has their own local homeschool community. Yeah. And find your local homeschool community. Connect with the other moms. Ask them what they're using. But one thing that's really important is don't feel the pressure of, oh, this curriculum's the best or that curriculum's the best. What I found is that we will use a curriculum and we'll see if it works for us. And if it doesn't, Say la vie. We can use mm-hmm. a different one the next semester or the next year. And that's really worked the best for us. We're, we're not married to a, a curriculum that we use for every single subject. Mm-hmm. We see what works best for the kids, what they enjoy, how they enjoy learning. And if they enjoy and love a curriculum, man, we stick with it. But if they yeah. don't and it's, it's no fun for them, then it's no fun for me and we just right. move on. Right. Absolutely. Now, I have heard some homeschooling moms say that they'll mix and match their curriculums. Do you recommend that? Is that even possible? Like, how do they, I would imagine they'd sell an entire curriculum as a packet. Yeah. You, I absolutely recommend mix and matching because okay. that that's what we do. I know that some people do choose to do like a whole set of curriculum. Mm-hmm. What we've found is that many curriculums are strong in one subject and may not be as strong in another subject. Mm-hmm. But also, when you use one complete curriculum set, it uses kind of the same language and the same learning style throughout. And what mm-hmm. I've found has been really successful about mixing and matching is that by using different curriculums, they're getting different learning styles, very similar to what they would experience in a public school setting or in a college Mm -hmm. setting. You're not going to have all your books be one learning style or one set of language. And so we really like that. And it's, it makes it more fun and exciting for the kids. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's what we've chosen to do. I know some people don't want to do that, but even we have some that we learn that are DVDs. 
but I wouldn't want the kids to just do all online because I feel like handwriting is really important. And so, so I feel like that's another thing. It's really personal, but we Mm -hmm. love to mix and match our curriculums because it really, to me, variety is the spice of life. And we like to have different varieties and it's kind of really fun. Well, and I really, now that you're saying all that, that kind of probably pulls in some of the dynamic of the benefit of them having like different teachers. Like some teachers will have a certain teaching flair for one subject while another teacher might have a certain flair for another subject. And so, yeah, we do kind of benefit from the many as opposed to the few. Yeah, so I get absolutely. That. That totally makes sense. So all that to say, like, there's no pressure if you want to mix and match. If you like sticking to one, it's probably neat and clean and simple to stick to one. Um, And so just finding what fits for the family the best. That's awesome. That's so smart. Um, How about a lot of moms are going to ask, how am I even qualified to teach my kids if I'm not a certified teacher or I failed at math in my sophomore year? (laughs) How am I going to teach my high schooler? (laughs) You know? (laughs) <laughs> I um, didn't, but you know, some people have, you know, whatever. yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally a legit question. Um, I've had people ask me before, do you have a teaching degree? Like how Aww. can you teach your kids if you don't have a teaching degree? Um, but how are we qualified to be moms? <laughs> right. <laughs> and bringing other humans, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, how are we qualified for any of it? You know, really, so um, true. The, the amazing thing about homeschooling is that God created us to be the parents of our children, mm. and we have so much more capability than we give ourselves credit for in yeah. general. I feel like we live in a time where there's so much pressure put on moms, and so we question everything, and very rarely do we give ourselves the real... Um, empowerment that God wants us to have as moms, that we are so capable that he has actually given us the tools to raise and teach our children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in Deuteronomy, it says, teach your children in the morning, teach them in the evening, teach them about God constantly. And mm-hmm. you don't have to have a special education to teach your kids the things that they really need to know. And I'm not yeah. saying skip math and reading and writing, right. but the the most important things we can teach our kids are character and and the bible about jesus and mm-hmm. you don't need a degree to teach them those things but beyond that when you are homeschooling you do have a curriculum that has yeah. the information there for you yeah. and like for example my my son is in upper level math now and some of the things I have to get on YouTube and relearn because even though I took college algebra, it's been years ago. Yeah. (laughs) And my mind was like, you know, if we can lose some weight, that's the stuff we're leaving behind. (laughs) Right. Like this ship is heading in a direction and we don't need that overboard. It's going overboard. (laughs) So, So algebra went overboard. And so there are things that I'm relearning, but... He has actually a DVD, a teacher on a DVD mm-hmm. who is wonderful. I love his DVD teacher who Aww. teaches him upper level math. That's and awesome. we have a teacher that teaches um, Zechariah and Eden actually writing. And mm-hmm. it's 
it's wonderful. So you know, you don't have to have a degree to teach Mm -hmm. your child. You don't have to know all of it. And the great thing, this is the most wonderful thing, is that even if your DVD teacher, your kid doesn't understand them, it does happen, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. The homeschool community, which I cannot stress enough, around you, you have women around you that some of them are were retired math teachers, or mm-hmm. I mean, I am not even joking you. I know two retired math teachers that could help us if we needed help with math. It's incredible. That's so there awesome. Are, there are people around you, and that is the beauty of homeschooling is that you can tap into the people around you to help, and it actually yeah. is such an added benefit to your children to be able to learn from other people and see that sense of community. That if I get stuck on something. I can reach into my community and pull gold from it. And there are people around me that want to help me. And that's so good. And you know what? I experienced that too with this homeschooling thing. When the boys asked me a question about grammar and I'm like, uh, they already know, like, don't ask mom about grammar. Like mom's a writer. (laughs) Mom should know grammar. But I remember in school, it did not compute. I'm like the perfect pronoun, something over the, the what? Like, what are we talking about? Is this English? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand. And so anyways, yeah, grammar is not my thing, but I went on Facebook, put the sentence on there and told them what I was looking for. And I had all these people respond with all these correct answers. And I was like, thank you so much. Community is <laughs> such a big deal. And Facebook is saving our kids education one post yeah. at a time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, a, it's amazing because when it comes to grammar, I've read that. We actually learn what we need to know, and our mind forgets the rest of it. We just we just memorize. We memorize how it's supposed to be. So we don't need right. to remember all the rules that we learned and right. all those tedious things that we did worksheets on. And we, <laughs> we spent right. hours. We spent hours studying. Our brain is like we're tossing that overboard. We don't yes. need it anymore. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I understand. Here's one thing I ran into that probably a lot of moms are encountering, especially this might even make some moms nervous if they're still wanting to have more kids, um, are in the phase of growing their family right now. How do you responsibly educate your older children while you're pregnant, nursing an infant, have a toddler running around who's nap schedule is somewhat unpredictable. I mean, that was an issue for me. Like once my third one came around, I was like, I can't, because my first two weren't that old, you know, they were yeah. four, four and five or five and six or something. And so they weren't able to self self monitor or self educate. <laughs> and yeah. so how do you do that? You have a little one. Annie's what, two or something? Yeah, she's two. Uh-huh. So how do yeah. you do that? You know, that's, that is a real challenge. <clears throat> and w- what you said, like our, we we do have two that are older that can work independently to a degree, yeah. Um, but for the mamas that have littler ones, maybe they have a preschooler or a first grader or a second grader. What I would say to that is that you just homeschool around your life and mm. and you be flexible. I have nursed a baby at the homeschool table many times. I've sat there and nursed my baby and helped with a reading lesson or mm. we we made it work for us. And if I had to leave the room to lay the baby down, then I would have a coloring page handy or I would have a video from, you know, 
it could be the magic school bus or it could be whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you're learning about. Maybe you're doing a history unit or a science thing, something fun or mm-hmm. a craft that they can work on when you have to leave the room. Yeah. Um, you know, those things come in, in real help. Those They become really helpful when you have those moments where you do have to tend to a little one. I know for Annie, She's in the stage where she wants to get into things. She went through a stage where she wanted to sit at the school table and throw all of our stuff off of it because she wanted. She, she wanted. I can our see attention. her doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's so ornery, and mm. and she's really our youngest one, so she's kind of the star of the show. And we're right. we're done having babies, so we kind of lavish her with attention and love. Right. <laughs> and so, Aww. and so she's high maintenance for sure. Very important to her to feel like she is a part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. She's really, she was very, very disappointed when we started the school year this year. <laughs> and she protested majorly. And so Aww. it is a real, it is a real challenge. Um, and and so for us, you know, we got some little blocks. We, I have a little bin that has rice in it. It's like mm-hmm. a, we call a sensory bin. And yeah. yes, it has been flipped over numerous times. <laughs> and you <laughs> You just live with some rice on the floor during the school day. <laughs> Little things that they can do. And hey, rice might be a, a nightmare to somebody, but making the toddlers feel included, give uh-huh. them an activity, give them some Play-Doh, give them something that they can do there with you so that they feel included. That's really important yeah. for Annie. If you have a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, they can learn what they need to learn usually within a couple of hours. Yeah. A five or six-year-old, they can learn what they need to learn usually in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. If you need to take their school with you somewhere, if you need to sit and rock a baby while you teach school, those are all things that you're allowed to do when you're homeschooling, which is magnificent. Yeah. But yeah. if for some reason you were up all night with a baby and you need to take a nap in the middle of the day and maybe you didn't finish your lesson, that's also okay. Do it. Do an extra lesson the next day. I love it. I love it. That's so good. And I find too that it seems almost like for us as the teachers, like Shiloh started out, the teachers were sending me seven, eight subjects of work that I had to do every day with him. And even though some pages only took him five minutes or 10 minutes, it was so many subjects. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And so we were schooling until three or four in the afternoon just because he'd get so distracted, you know? And so, but once they pulled back and we only have like three or four subjects a day, I realized, okay, this is a lot more manageable. And so that's like block scheduling when I was in high school. Yeah, We would do four subjects a day and we would just do them every other day. My boys, my older boys do that. And so I feel like even with homeschooling, there's there may be eight subjects they need to learn or six or whatever. Um, but I feel like even alternating days so that you can maybe focus a little longer, do a little, do a double portion on that one subject. But if if they're focused and they can nail through a couple things that maybe sometimes that's more helpful for the child to to not have so many subjects to cram into a day. Exactly. That's actually exactly how we do it. Mm. Um, We have subjects that we only do a couple times a week. Um, And then we have subjects that we do, we usually do math and literature and reading Mm -hmm. three times a week Mm -hmm. and sometimes four, depending on how ambitious our schedule is. Mm -hmm. And then on the in-between days, we'll hit science, history, 
writing. So we don't, we don't try to cram all the subjects in one day either. And I don't, I don't think that, I think when you try to do less on those days, the learning, like you said, is more successful. They're able to retain more information, but also what I think is really important is they're able to have fun. And I think the great thing about homeschooling, and this is maybe the most important thing about homeschooling is that it's not supposed to look like public school. Yeah. You are not in a classroom with 20 other kids. It shouldn't take eight hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty much more one-on-one. And yeah. so it should take half the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's okay if they're done at noon and they're outside playing. As a matter of fact, it's not, it's not okay. It's fantastic. Yeah, It's fantastic for kids to learn to do chores. It's fantastic for kids to learn how to play and climb trees and do things that kids do. And they learn so much that way. Yes, I agree. In fact, you're so perfect. You're bringing us right into our last interview question. And then we'll get onto the life hack that you have stored up for us. Um, But is everything academics or do you find that they do better when you infuse it with other topics like life skills, like chores and and setting up a dentist appointment or even hobbies like playing guitar and basketball. How do you work all that stuff in to help with their learning? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, absolutely. I think that all of those things that you mentioned, cooking is a big mm-hmm. one, doing laundry. Those yeah. are things that they're going to need to know later on in their life. And the, a lot of times in public school, even now, home ec, is no longer a part of the curriculum. And a lot of times kids are growing up not knowing how to do these things, not because they had negligent parents, but because a lot of households now just to support, um, you know, a a normal lifestyle, both parents have to work Mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe those things are just kind of missed. And so I think those are absolutely important things to, to teach them how to cook or to teach them fun things that they want to learn. I think if you have extra time and and they're interested in something, man, music, for example, is um, so important for the development of the mind. Usually kids that learn music lessons do better in math and reading that not all of our learning happens from a book. Right. It can happen at the piano. It can happen, you know, so we have piano lessons. Well, before we were socially distancing. Right. (laughs) We had piano (laughs) lessons every week. And um, I love our piano teacher. And it's so good for the kids to be able to go and do those things and learn exotic things and learn things that may not be able to be learned from a book. Right. Well, and you're right about the music part because I think... I've heard that music is one of the only things on the earth that engages both sides of the brain, the logic and the creative at the same time to accomplish the task. Most tasks require one or the other for the most part. Um, And music forces you to use both sides at the same time, which is why people will do better in school is because they're they're engaging their brain in a much um, deeper way when they're practiced in music. And so it, it actually makes them perform better academically. That's fascinating. I know. I love that for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, and as you're even talking too, I'm thinking like, 
if we teach them gardening, that's science. If we teach them cooking, that's math with fractions and measuring and, and science, you know, how certain ingredients yeast makes the bread yes. rise, you know, and, and just different things like that. Really, they are learning those practical subjects infused into those different chores and, and responsibilities and hobbies. And so that's, I yeah. love it. I think anything to make it more fun, right? Yes, absolutely. And anything to make it more valuable to them. You know, there's so many things, like we've said so many times, that when you become an adult, it wasn't even really um, so many of the things that we learn from books we forget. But mm-hmm. those things that we learn that are more practical, we're less likely to forget those things. Right. And what a great, what a great relationship builder to have you know, yeah. the kids in the kitchen learning how to make a family recipe or those are memory makers. And I think yeah. that what you said, making it more fun, making memories together, mm-hmm. having having that time, it, it's just, it's something that you will always have. Yes. Yes. I agree. I know I tell my boys all the time. I'm like, listen, boys, I'm not raising children. I'm raising husbands. I'm not raising boys. I'm raising men. The things we're teaching you today, you are going to need for the rest of your life. So pay attention. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> no pressure, though. No pressure, you know, but I do put, I do, I do help them understand like it's a big deal that you don't put your dishes in the sink because that's an issue of self care and responsibility, you know, and I try to point to the character quality that's behind it, you know, that way yeah. they understand mom's <laughs> not just a Nazi mom's not just lazy and can't do it herself. Yeah. Mom actually has a reason for this, you know? And so, um, so yeah, you're totally right. I love how you said that you worded it so well. Okay. So now on to one of my favorite parts of, um, the show is life hacks. So tell us what is your greatest life hack that has been saving your life right now? It can be about homeschooling or totally not at all. Man, my jacuzzi tub. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did just move into a home. Take a bath. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Actually, my kids will tell you that a bath is my cure for everything. They get a sniffle, I'm like, you should take a bath. (laughs) <laughs> like, and then now they're all like, every time somebody gets sick, they're like, can I take a bath? Nobody's sick, by the way. We don't have oh, any viruses. Good. That's great. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Because um, <laughs> I'm going to come over yeah, and lick real- you on the cheek tomorrow, so... <laughs> better so my kids are like they think that taking a bath is secure for anything now that we have this giant bath I mean we're gonna be like a hospital I think Jesus did that because he knows you that baths are your love language (laughs) honestly really I remember saying to James like I I I know this is crazy but I really want a jacuzzi tub oh so Jesus loves loves you. He loves me. Okay. So have you ever then, have you made bath bombs with the kids? My sister does it with her daughters all the time and they just love it. And my son, my youngest is obsessed with bath bombs. He just thinks they're the best. And I don't take enough baths. I do showers, but um, have you done that with your kids? You know what? I'm a terrible mom because I have not done that. Uh, not terrible. You're busy in homeschooling and that's just one extra thing you can throw into science class is let's make bath bombs. Okay. So your life hack is ladies, don't get so busy 
that you forget to take a bath and soak and relax. Exactly. That is my life hack. Really, I mean, taking care of ourselves in any way, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, if we want to talk life hack and that's a, it's really general, but especially now that everybody's homeschooling, we're already, I feel like as women, we're so focused on taking care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now throwing homeschooling into everything that everybody was already doing before, yeah. it can be really easy to forget to take care of yourself. Yes. It can it can be easy to forget to, to find a moment where nobody has an expectation on you at all. And you close right. the doors and you say, hey, husband, I'm clocking out for 15, <laughs> 20 minutes because it's going to be good for you and everybody else that lives in this Yes, house. no kidding. Yeah. And you can make your bath a little fancy and a little healthy and throw some essential oils in there or drink some hot tea while you're in there. Although don't, don't overheat yourself, but I mean, stuff like that. (laughs) Lavender oil is very relaxing. Oils help so much. Yeah. And and throw on some music. I had some Navajo flutes going the other night. I was like, am I at a true genuine spa right now with my Navajo flutes and my Epsom salts? You're the best. I just love it. Oh my gosh. Well, girl, you, you shared so many golden nuggets. I really cannot wait. I'm probably going to make this like my first podcast that I lead with when my season two comes up because it's so relevant for right now, like, like right now, not next week, but right now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It'll be relevant next week. But, um, but yes, thank you so much. You can tell, I can tell from the way you answered and the insight you shared, like you've obviously been doing this a while and have obviously learned the things that we are all just beginning to get in touch with. So thank you for taking the time to share all your knowledge and wisdom with my wonderful listeners. Well, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and to all of you that have been thrown into homeschooling, my hat is 100% off to you, Yes, um, including you generally, because man, I know that like all of us are already, we're already, like I said, doing so, so, so much mm-hmm. and to just unexpectedly earn the hat of <laughs> I'm educating my children now, not only yep. responsible for the kind of human beings they turn out to be, All right. but also how smart are they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so, oh, gosh. Um, and, it, and it's totally different. You didn't get to pick your curriculum. You didn't get to decide what you were doing. It, it's all been arranged by different people and, and right. probably on different platforms. And so um, you are all incredible for being able to do that. Wow. Well, thank you, ma'am. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show. Jen, you've been just a treasure. And you guys share this episode with all your other mama friends because we're legitimately all in the same boat right now. And <laughs> even if even if your mama friend only has two weeks left of homeschooling, some of these tips could be enough to add extra peace and joy to those last couple of weeks. And so share it on social media and um, make sure Jen's wisdom gets out to the masses. Okay, thanks so much, Jen. (laughs) Thank you, Jenilee. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come 
follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, Hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.